So I have new, new guests with me. Uh, that's Emil Urberg and uh, Shema Balsas. And we are here um, at DEF CON and we're about to talk theming. We're trying to bridge the audio-video gap and uh, have an audio podcast about life ray themes. Isn't that awesome? Cool. Thanks Hi guys. for having us. Hola. Yeah, thanks. Gemma, you have just had a workshop on theming and um, that's why I grabbed you and said, well, let's learn about all of the good things in theming, all of the best practices and your experience. Uh, so uh, the stage is yours. Uh, what would you like to talk about? Yeah, so thanks. So uh, we just had the, this workshop this morning and we had quite a good attendance, which I think shows how important theming is actually in the in the library world and Uh, we want to keep paying attention. We want to keep improving how everyone is building themes. We want to make that as easy as possible to anyone. And I think that's what we wanted to show with the workshop today. We didn't have that much time, so we just went pretty quickly over it. But I, I hope something, some of it stick. And the main idea is we can do as many things as possible as we can imagine with themes today. We just need to believe in it and then we just need to so that's pretty much the main idea we wanted to to give away. Mm -hmm. Thing is, I think it's quite interesting uh, because I think the developer community, not just the library developer community, but any developer community, starting to are starting to understand that you can build the the perfect service, the 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 most. Uh, beautiful technical wise uh, service for something but as long as that's not working for the actual customer or for the user as long as he or she does not understand how to use it and as long as that, that's not beautiful that won't work as intended so what we've seen what i'm seeing at least um the last couple of years is that more and more attention are paid to to user experience user inter uh, interface user design and all those kind of things which is Quite interesting, quite good. Yeah, and in that kind of sense, what we've been feeling lately is that everyone's kind of redoing that work every time in every project. Like UX needs to be taken into account every time, and we're somehow not helping uh, library users or library developers to to make this available in their projects in a in a really easy way. So we find people are continually trying to redo all the all the all this work again and that's something we will try to improve and we'll try to to help them in the in the following months yeah which is which is good it is good however i must say library is is an excellent uh, platform to work with because you can you can use whatever other libraries or systems or whatever there is if i want to use with angler or if i want to use uh, bootstrap or if i want to use uh, whatever handlebars is what i'm using right now Uh, I can do that without breaking anything which is Liferay. I can use Liferay, I can use everything which is important in, in Liferay and everything which makes Liferay Liferay. And I can still plug in those best of breed uh, libraries and, and, and new emerging technologies coming up, which is, which is awesome. So what are you typically working with on the theme level? Um, we do have the classic theme uh, that Lifeway delivers. There are, I don't know, a handful of 6.2 themes on the on the marketplace, if we're lucky. Last time I looked, I was not aware of too many uh, 6.2 themes. Um, so what do you actually learn from? Uh, is, is there any uh, experience that people can draw off or... Whenever, whenever I start a new project, I take my last project's files and strip them. That's what I'm doing. Okay, can we have them? 
I think there should be on GitHub. Okay, that's probably. Good. If not, if not, when when this is when this is is uploaded, I make sure they are on GitHub. Uh, so what we are doing, uh, talk, just like Chairman is talking about here, that we are constantly redoing ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what we have been working with, me and my my company has been working with for quite a while, is to make a a well, Bootstrap is the wrong word because Bootstrap is something else, but to ma- make a a something we can reuse every project we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a model which we're quite happy with. Um, which is uh, what we usually call organic CSS or uh, organic SAS, which is a way of of constructing our our our, sti- our style, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite good. Uh, it's nothing, it's nothing special, uh, but it works and it's quite fast to re reuse. And to answer your question, that theme is based on unstyle, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually um, the the thing I'm working with right now, which is a mobile app. Or mobile web page is actually based on a very, very, very blank theme. Actually, uh, uh, remove the what's it called? Life or Heather? It's called like the tag which you write in in uh, in. Uh, yeah, uh, Life or Heather and Life or Heather. There's like two headers, right? Which includes a lot of CSS files and, and JavaScript files and. Oh yeah. Yeah, remove both of them. Okay. Yeah. So you literally start blank. Yeah, literally start blank. Uh, but this is a very, very special, specialized, ca- uh, specialized case, right? Uh-huh. I wanted to include like four files. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's in order to make it load fast, or in order to just make it simple to maintain, or uh, harder to maintain, just because you harder can. Harder to maintain. No, uh, to make it. Um, so this is a mobile app we're developing with HTML5, mm-hmm. um, and what I needed was uh, I needed. One JavaScript file, one CSS file. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, we minified the, the things beforehand, um, so I needed those uh, those two things, nothing else. Um, and I wanted to be able to store them uh, on the uh, on the client. So it's um, HTML5 um, offline storage mm-hmm. or um, cache manifest. So they are cached on the cell phone, and the user does not need to be online to use the app. Okay. Yeah, so in, in that sense, that's some of the steps we're trying to take because uh, we saw some, many, like 50% of guys are like trying to extend from Classic just using, building their own themes based on Classic. Some 50% are using them based on style, which is actually the current approach. But from what they've told us and what we've seen is that sometimes style doesn't give as much as they need and then it's quite hard for them to figure out what, stuff to keep what stuff to they, they can safely remove so it's not easy for them it's easier for them to just use go use classic even if you get a lot of css that you will never probably use and a lot of other things and then you get into trouble of having different styles you you can't override or you can you, it makes your styles a bit harder to to write and to maintain so i think in the future we'll try to be moving away from that just making the basic themes more basic, so you can just build on top of that, and then you know, you don't need to to go and try to, and use the bigger ones. Mm-hmm. To, to be a little bit harsh for a second, one one problem with with front end design and and web design is that there's a lot of people doing it who's who's who aren't trained in it, who's not their prime job, the primary job to do it. They're usually like Java developers and then someone tells them to make an interface for it mm-hmm. and then they hack something up. Like if you go into any session here about theming and ask people, okay, do you know how to write SAS, which is nothing fancy at all? 
uh, I'll guess that half of the people here wouldn't know what that, how to do that. Yeah. Because they are not front-end developers first-hand. They are something else. And uh, so for them, you have probably have to provide something which is easy uh, to use. They can reuse uh, pre-built components and all those things. But the end, t- to be honest, the end result isn't as good as if you were giving it to to a actual, a actual in quotation marks, uh, front-end developer. Mm-hmm. But you have to also give the actual, in quotation marks, front-end developers the tools that he or she needs. Yeah, I think we took that step with the... With in, uh, when we included Bootstrap in, in library, that was the decision oriented to just make that happen, like to make it possible to build nice things, nice UI interfaces with no help, like with, for, with no front-end developer. So at least you could get something that, again, quotation marks, looks just good, right? May not be awesome, but at least it looks good and it's not, like you, could, you couldn't tell just at first glance that that was the work of a backend developer or someone who's not trained in the in the UI. So I think that's kind of what we want to to achieve and we'll work on that with the new themes we're we're, we're building which is kind of set the example to as to what kind of themes do we want to build with library and what kind of experience and and detail and quality we want to achieve. And that's what we'll we'll try to do with new themes coming to marketplace as soon as possible. Can I ask you ask you a a hard question? Sure. Will you ever make it able? To, you, will you make it able for me to disable Bootstrap? How hard it is right now? Uh, it's not that hard, but you are using some of the classes yourselves. Yeah, right now, but that's pretty much boot, an, a Bootstrap issue because it's really um, how to say. Oh, sorry, how to say uh, opinionated, right? So Bootstrap is a framework that it's really a, pretty much opinionated, so it forces you to use. A lot of what they do, and they've been some. I've seen some approaches, like Coursera is taking, to somehow make a, la- a layer on top of Bootstrap or any CSS framework by by any means, and just create your own classes extending the ones of your framework. So that if at any point you replace the underlying framework, you'll still keep using our own classes, our own layer, and that's maybe a step or a direction we could work in the future but that's just to be seen yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's probably disableable already because you can override just about any any file uh, that life generates but i guess that it goes quite uh, quite well throughout all of uh, all kinds of life components right yeah well i guess that we sh- we may try or what he really wants is the ability not just like to disable something but to switch how it works underneath, mm-hmm. but keep the overall thing just working as fine. So you just need you just decide which framework you want, the one you made, maybe based on some API we give you, and then that should keep working same way as you had before. I guess that's, and I I'd, I'd love to have something like that in library. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, is there anything uh, that you see? Uh, like in terms of best practices uh, that constantly get violated, uh, I mean, I see quite a bit um, of missing best practices. Uh, for example, on forums, uh, when uh, when people are rather working directly on the application server and are wondering why LifeRay does not reload their uh, their CSS changes. Um, but I have the answer for that. Yes, I do. Go ahead. It, it does re- reload the CSS changes. However, it does not reload the uh, their SAS changes. Mm-hmm. And that's because a library is only listening to the custom.css 
file, mm-hmm. which is not updated. But as soon as you touch that file, Lifer will reload it. I actually bu- uh, made myself a little tool for that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're developing themes right on the server? Actually, I'm developing themes in in on the sor- in the source files, not on the server. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I save those files. Uh, the files get up, um, not uploaded but copied to the service as it's a local host server, right? Mm-hmm. So it's got it gets copied there, and um, and the uh, entry point file gets touched so that the uh, library picks up on 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 that changes and actually uh, change it for in the, in my web browser. Mm-hmm. So I, I do that, and I also do um, a live reload, which is a um, it's a plugin for 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 web browsers. It's a plugin and a, I would guess you can call it some kind of rule set or protocol or whatever. It's 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 a plugin for web browsers to reload the CSS in web browsers without reloading the entire page. Well, that sounds good. It sounds useful. So that's what my session will ha- um, will um, that will be a part of my session. Okay, um, that brings me further uh, into things like toolset. Um, so, are you using Developer Studio or uh, Live Reload or uh, so? Let, what? For us, I always go with Sublime. That's yep, me now. too. Sublime. Okay. Yeah, I actually started using um, WebStorm a little bit. WebStorm is a like it's a part of uh, of IntelliJ. So it's like IntelliJ, but for it's still made by what's the company name? Uh, JetBrains? JetBrains. JetBrains, yeah. It's yep. made by JetBrains. And it's like, it looks like um, IntelliJ, mm-hmm. but it's more focused to, to the, um, to like, well, web development, but like front-end development and all those things. Um, so it has a lot of support for Angular and, and JavaScript development and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, so if I'm, if I'm writing like JavaScript apps, I go for, for um, uh, WebStorm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I go, if I want to write something else, Sublime is it? Yeah, in that sense, there's this new Adobe Brackets editor, which is quite good. In that sense, it's really front-end oriented, and you get all live, like not live reload, you get live development, both HTML, JavaScript, and CSS, just by free. Like that, just works out of the box in Chrome. And the only thing is, we've been playing around with it, but haven't quite got it working with Portal just yet. Uh, so we'll see how it works, how it goes, because like our setup is quite specific and it's not doesn't uh, it doesn't fit or it doesn't match all the or the usual UI projects you have around. But we'll see. One thing about tooling, which I think is is interesting, is that the t- you use tools every day, right? You use a tool chain every day, yeah. But you don't spend that much time thinking about the tool chain, developing a tool chain, or or even like recognizing there is a tool chain. Um, I think more more people would benefit from starting to think about these kind of things and think like, okay, what happens if I if I take these three days and and change my tool change tool chain? How fast will I get that that that, that back, uh, time back? Mm-hmm. Um, and nowadays we have so many tools to choose from, and we have so many technologies which enables us to to write the tools ourselves. Like my my weapon of choice is Node. I love Node, uh, mm-hmm. Node.js. Mm-hmm. Um, so I write my tools in Node. So if I want to do something, I pr- could probably do it in Node in a couple of hours, which saves me and my entire company and my colleagues a lot of time and probably a couple of errors as well. Mm-hmm. So I think we should we should spend more time thinking about the tool chains and actually 
um, yeah, de- maybe we're even developing uh, tools ourselves, which mm. are specialized for us. Okay, is there anything we should continue to talk about uh, on themes? Like, I'm constantly missing things. Um, yeah, I think so some some of the things we try to point out is how maybe in part because of our fault, because we're not making it as easy as possible, and how people are building themes sometimes lead to some issues, some uh, complications and problems when when you get to upgrade to new library version. And then again, it may be at some point or somehow part we're part at fault at that but we we want to try and uh, improve that how people build teams to minimize the, those errors those risks when trying to upgrade to new versions and then uh, try to avoid them to have to spend all that time just going over everything and then of course uh, missing stuff because it was not there so we just try to um make a point that making us small changes as possible to our files, to library files in that sense. Just keep changes as localized as possible so whenever it comes the time to upgrade, you, you can just easily go there, you know where they are, and they're not scattered all around the library portal files. So mm-hmm. um, in that sense also, uh, I think for already for Library 6.2, we launched tools that automatically upgraded because we did the bootstrap change. So we launched the library... Great tool. That was, a, that was a no tool, right? That was a no tool, yeah. Ilian wrote that for us. And that already, that automatically rewrote or switched most of the classes that we had before, the LFR classes, for the library ones, for the bootstrap ones that are now using. So I think we'll go in that direction. Whenever we, we make changes, we'll try to at least provide guides or tools so that this path is easier. But in any case, we need to try and keep those changes as local as possible. Yeah, so the, the, uh, that upgrade script is part of the portlet upgrade uh, uh, thing or is that separate? I think it's a, a standalone app that you can just, as it runs on Node, so you can just install and run on your files but it's also integrated in the library ID so you can just down, so if you have library ID you just can go ahead and download and run on your, on your pl- portlet or on your plugin so it should be quite easy. Okay, uh, so I'll ask you for the link uh, for the show notes. Uh, let me ask you something. Um, some of the bigger, like CMSs, like the standard CMSs, are, they're having these like guidelines for writing for doing themes or like rule sets for doing themes. Like mm-hmm. if of, often tied to if you want to publish them on, on their on their like marketplace or something like that, saying like if you want to publish your theme, your theme, it needs to follow these fifty-eight rules and something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you thinking about doing something like that? Yeah, I'm really happy you asked this question. It's like we prepared this, but we didn't. <laughs> and we actually are, yeah. We're actually building a UX guidelines. Uh, and we're actually, it's not that we're just writing it and to, to give it to you guys or to give it to the community. We're writing it for ourselves. So we're, with this, I, I want to, to say that we want this to be useful, not just something we release we never use. So we know it's useful. It's driving our current development. So um, they're pretty advanced right now. So we have like the design uh, guidelines just in Photoshop where it's stated every every spacing we respect between elements, uh, sizes, colors, everything that drives or will drive the next version of Library Portal. And that's what we're using. And we'll also provide 
like an implementation guidelines, like how we implement that for library using JavaScript, using CSS, and there is, it will be some. There will be some documents that you will just be able to just go there, see how we do, so you can respect and align to those elements. So whenever you're writing like an app for the marketplace, you could be you could be you re, could respect those alignments, and everything would look at least would. Yeah, because I, I think I guess that those are a help for you as well, yeah. like helping you. How how can I create stuff? Yeah, and the thing, and to create a a uniform experience across all across all products, which somehow at some points we we miss because we don't have those clear guidelines as to what to follow and how to to style our content. So when when will this be available? That I cannot say. As soon as it's ready. <laughs> as soon as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Never ask a library guy for a definitive date. It depends, as, li as a library would like <laughs> to say. That's my line. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll get a, a quite good date uh, tomorrow, which is somewhere in the past for this recording because I won't put it out uh, right now. Um, but uh, I have been promised that we'll get uh, some actual dates uh, tomorrow. We'll see if that actually works out. Uh, Well, great. Uh, this is actually a quite nice experience to be uh, together with two of you guys, um, where one is asking questions to the other. Uh, that's a very relaxing uh, job for me, especially on the front end side, because I am one of those back end developers who from time to time end up doing themes. So, yes, you're right. Yeah, and then we have to fix everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm always saying I'm the one who is able to make things look different. <laughs> But if you want things to look nice, then you better ask somebody else or you bring some extra time. Well, you're not alone. I know. Uh, well, um, as far as I'm concerned, that's it. All right, uh, cool. 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 Thanks a lot. Great. Thanks for being available on very short notice um, as everybody whom I'm, uh, who I'm recording at DEF CON. Sure, no Thanks for having us on DEF CON. I'm, I was about to, to check with with Chema um, uh, to give an elevator pitch of his uh, workshop, and uh, so you were there, and uh, that basically uh, brought us together. We'll talk about whatever uh, you can think of in theming, best practices. Just just to make clear, I, I was at his workshop, but I was in the back uh, finishing my slides. <laughs> And then he, he used my workshop to promote yeah. himself. Just saying. <laughs> my, no, no. That is okay. To, to promote another session. <laughs> well, you, you brought him in here. Yeah. So. He, seemed like, he seems like a nice guy, so why not? Okay. You brought me in here. Always good to share. <laughs> no, he suggested you to be okay. in here. Yeah. And I, I just uh, followed up on that. Yeah, yeah, I'm microphone. I'm scared of microphones. Oh, they don't bite. It's scary. You can bite them, they don't bite back. <laughs>